Change will come to those who have no fear. But I am not her. You never were the kind who kept a rule book near. You burned me like a pair of thieves, tumbled locks and broken codes. Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast with the best shows on TV. And I'm Zach. I'm Jake. And tonight is True Detective, episode 204, and it was called Down Will Come. Um, the director was Jeremy Podeswa, one of our Game of Thrones directors. Yep. And the writers, that is plural, uh, Nick Pizzolatto and Scott Lasser uh, is a new credit to the opening intro. Um, this guy must be like an action writer. Yeah. Um, well, credit to Nick to give him some, you know, some juice on this. You know, when we hear he's usually wants all the credit, but you know, yeah, uh, ego. There dish. you go, uh, man. I'm gonna start first. I enjoyed the episode. I think it was slow at the beginning, but with a hell of a punch at the end. Um, and I think it gave a lot of good character development. So a lot of interesting information that makes you kind of rethink a lot of your old thoughts and where the case is going. Uh, but overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good step up. I, we have shifted back into second or maybe into third gear, as I like to say. Yeah, and you remember what I talked about, how I said when fourth episode comes, I think the, the gloves are off. Oh, yeah, the training you know? wheels have come off. Yeah, right. I remember so, exactly what you said. Right, so I think it kind of it did jump into that. But let me say this, though. I really enjoyed the episode. Don't Don't get me wrong on this at all. I think we got a lot of really good moments in the first half of the episode with uh, Paul and Ray, you know, actually talking really for the first time, you know, Ray showing that he'll help him out, you know, kind of doing a, almost like a partner type deal with him, you know, Ray's grown a conscience. Right. Um, And then obviously you see the aftermath of what happened to Paul that night and what he led to and stuff like that. I thought we had a lot of cool character moments, even with, um, even uh, Annie, you know, Annie getting IA and all that. Now she's under suspension. So now they're all under the gun. Every last one of them. Okay. So I think that's really neat. So now they yeah. all have. They all have a pressure point. Yeah, investigations on them. Right. You're exactly right. So now they're all going to be stressed out. Trying to be on their P's and Q's and stuff. Okay. All right. The end of the episode. Or the last half of the episode with the big gunfight and everything like that. Awesome. Very well done, very fun, action-packed, gore, violence. But I don't know if that has anything to do with the plot. I'm going to stop you. we we got, we got to save that juice for towards the end. I know okay. where you're going with that because I am on the same ship. Okay, so when we get there, we'll talk more about that or like that. So I don't want to say like it hurt the episode at all because I don't think it did because I think they packed a ton of stuff into the first half. Oh, yeah. And they just wanted to give us like a... End of the bang kind of deal. Oh yeah, it's just like if you're trying to get a vein to raise up, you pump your fist or you pump your hand a little bit, and it was just what you needed, you know, to get the veins to come up a little bit on the episode. And I, I think it was awesome, but I know where you're going yeah, with that. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get this. Let's, let's hop into the rundown. Yeah, let's get right into it. We're going to kind of get through this quick. We got a lot. Uh, excited about this one. This, the show opens up with uh, Ray and A. Ah, correction, it's not Annie. And how many times they call her? What they called her a different name? It wasn't Annie. It was um, an I or no? It's Annie, but her real name is Antigone. I know, but they weren't saying Annie. They kept calling her an I or something through the entire episode. I kept looking at my wife. And I was like, 
Wow. I guess I was just mispronouncing it. I'm going to call her Annie. I'm going to go with Annie. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, they're looking at the caddy all burn up, um, like we talked about before. Uh, you know, they're just kind of shaking their head and realizing this isn't, they're not going to be nothing fruit from this tree. Yeah. Just like the next scene where Frank is at the avocado tree with this poor Mexican there, you know, um, and he's, you know, badgering him, you know, no soul. Berating no him. Yeah. It's just uh, another thing. And then it gets back to the <laughs> I counter. thought you could lick the dirt no or something like that oh. <laughs> just some racist joke <laughs> yeah horrible scumbag again yes <laughs> um and then they go back to talking about the kid you know about maybe trying to have a kid and he's like well you know maybe that's not time it's pressure and she's like what about an alternative and he's like what are you talking about you know like maybe adoption or like that and then he goes into this monologue in which i didn't like i didn't you know I didn't, and he's like, well, I don't want to pay for somebody else's time, you know. Somebody else's burden? Yeah. Is that what it was? It was he had a bunch of little or catchphrases. and Sins or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't pay for somebody else's sins, and you know, I don't want to take somebody else's time. Or you know, It I was just a lot of like, it really hurt the character. Yeah, it really hurt the character, and it, it didn't help that sometimes I get the feeling that Vince is – you can tell he's just reading the lines. He doesn't feel what he's saying. You, you ever get that perception sometimes? And I, honestly, I can't really blame him much because I feel like they're writing him like he's in a damn Shakespearean play because no one talks like he does. No a, one. A lot of them don't talk like the way they talk. And it's sometimes that's where I think it's, like you say, overwritten, trying to create that persona and it's just a little much so this this part didn't i kind of felt like right after like his monologue in this episode i kind of felt the same way here but even worse because what he was actually saying you know yeah but i think they're really trying to show us that his he's pushing his wife like almost over the edge at this point well that and he's turning into what he used to be but maybe even worse yeah without consulting her either right goes right into paul waking up in this bed uh just in his drawers and he's groggy and you, you know you can tell he's not all there he walks in it stuns me he walks in and there's his uh former military you know his buddy. Um, black mountain comrade and he's yeah. like boy we, we we burned it up last night well what they say he yeah. said something like oh yeah it was something we shook some ghosts or something yeah it was <laughs> It was an innuendo. There's no doubt. And uh, then he's like, hey, you know, I DVR'd the game and I got some waffles over there for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, this guy's trying really hard. He wants this to be the norm. He even stops him and says, hey, you know, you really let go last night. Yeah, you at know. the Lux, you know, uh, Frank's Club. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is basically like when we saw him last, he was down and drink after drink with these male prostitutes he was talking to. And evidently he called his war buddy to come over and save him. And then it led to them having a good night, which we think is what happens. We're not positive. No, we're pretty much 100% sure on what <laughs> well, we're doing. Well, you know. I mean, the, guy, the guy's, he's real excited about it. Yeah. You know, and you would think if you were – if you even make it a, a heterosexual relationship, it's like when the girl calls you and she's wasted and she thinks of you first to call and be like, hey, come get me, you know. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, Paul's not having it. He's just in shock. He's you know not happy. He bails as fast as he can. Um, he's on foot. No bike, you know. Which I didn't understand at first, but then you realize that it was stolen. We think. 
We well, think he says he's it saying it's stolen. stolen. He's saying it's stolen because um, you know he grabs it. He grabs it in taxi, and you can see the shedding a tear down the face, and this just makes me feel like he's just really conflicted with who he is, and like I can't believe I did that. Yeah, he's like I never wanted to go back to that place, and I did, and he did right. So, you like know, you say, I think he's conflicted. You know, yeah, I did. I. You know, some people are like, I, I've said in the past, and I want to change this, you know, like he's a closeted homosexual. No, I think he is a a man who is struggling to figure out what his sexuality really is. I don't think he, you don't know for 100% if he's homosexual. You don't know if he is, you know, if he is heterosexual, bi, whatever. I think he is just con- so conflicted. And there was even some good feedback we got from some a couple listeners about him repressing and different things and had some good things like that. Um, I think that's what the character is. You know, like most characters in here, they all have some kind of sexual dysfunction or issue, you know, or lack of, you know. Um, and then it goes to where you see him. He, evidently, he goes back to where the club is where he parked his bike. And he's walking around. And at first, I didn't get this. He was just walking around. I thought he was just cussing and mad because of what happened. I thought he was just having a meltdown. Yeah. Right. But after looking at it again, I watched it twice. I think this is where his bike was. And this was just adding salt to the wound or insult to injury. And that's the reason he's throwing them F-bombs out and going so mad and pissed and stuff. Um, and then you see him walk over and this blew me away. I did not see this coming. They didn't give you preparation for it. The paparazzi waiting on him at the his hotel room. Yeah. Did you, where was, where'd this come from? Well, the thing of it is too, is I expected the paparazzi to be talking about the supposed blowjob with the actress, but well, they instead, did mention that. They but mentioned they went it, but farther. they went down. Now they know about his black mountain past. Right, yeah, because they distinctly said it. You know, what's your um, what's your thoughts on the uh, war crimes, uh, Black Mountain? What about your relationship with that actress? I can't remember her name. They said her name. And do you have a history of violence against women? Exactly. You know, they mentioned those three things as he was running away. Um, you know, so it gives you more like the perception of that Black Mountain did really bad things at this. Um, that village that they really had such a good fling or affair or whatever at, you know, they give you that perception about the information they said you're from paparazzi, um, more to that. So Paul's character, uh, this, this kind of surprised me, but I mean, it was good character development information. You get more background about him. Uh, what really, you know, he's a messed up dude between mama issues, boyfriend issues, possibly as well as what happened in black mountain. Um, there's a lot going on with Paul, yeah, and I get the feeling that sweatsuit. Remember him taking oh, pictures yeah. uh, of him before. May be the one giving the information to the reporters on where to find him. Very likely. Very you know, likely. You know, he's just fueling that fire. Yeah, possibly. You yeah, know. No doubt. So yeah, old sweatsuit. Yeah, we finally I finally figured out his name. Old Dixon. You know, still He'll like sweatsuit. Be sweatsuit mice. So, that's right. Nasty sweatsuit. Yeah. Uh, Ray and Annie are together and they're talking about the case and Ray kind of lets her know, you know, you've ruffled some feathers with the mayor. He's a big dog. You know, he's got big friends. He's, you know, he's got connections and this, the state's case is garbage and they they don't want to solve this. They want this to go away. There's too many hands making money on this deal. Says it's a shakedown and the attorney general has his hand out. Right. And this is, uh, this is something you know we're going to consider. You know, this is not going to go well. 
Um, and then he leaves, and then old sweatsuit Dixon walks up, and you know <laughs> his line. Well, I don't give a you know what, and she's like, "We, you clearly established that. You make it quite obvious. <laughs> yeah, you make it quite obvious." So. Uh, just another another example of how useless this character was. Yes, man, this guy is just a walking just yeah. diabetes. Yeah, it's just <laughs> mm. uh, Frank at the bakery, the cake making play. You see the cakes in the background. These are Armenian drug dealers, based on what I could tell, the way they're, you know, way they look and stuff. Because right. you know he he takes away the Mexicans, he takes away you know uh, the uh, Russians, the Russians like that. So I'm guessing this is you know your Armenians. Is just, what what my educated guess? Um, I can't think of anybody else. Middle, yeah, not Middle Eastern, but uh, Western blockish some yeah. kind. And he's talking about trying to bring drugs back into his club. You know, he wants coke, meth, and a third drug. I didn't recognize That's it. That's MDMA. That's Molly or ecstasy. Or- there you go. Okay. Um, you know, he's talking about 5%, and then he hits him with a you know, 5% monthly on top. And they finally agree. And then he goes into this little comment about, you know, I missed this part. I was something. Uh, somebody I know what door. you're talking about. The guy says, because he comments about all the sugar he's putting in his coffee. And he's talking about almost like you don't care about yourself or something like that. And Frank gets up and gets in his ear. Never had a cavity, you know. Not yeah. even a, uh, so, you know, I can't remember. Or he said never had a root canal or anything like that. Not yeah. even a cavity. I thought he was talking about, when I came back to my seat, I thought he was talking about something to do with, you know, since he pulled all them teeth from Homeboy and, you know, like he, some teeth was some kind of analogy that, you know, I don't know. I I wouldn't pay much attention to it. No, it was just kind of Frank showing his bully side a little bit. So, I mean, it it was interesting, but, I mean, I I didn't get much out of it. Well, this is just Frank, and even the guys are mentioning it. They're like, why are you getting back in this? Why would we trust you now when you have a deal that's obviously failing on you? So, it's once again, it's like Frank having to prove himself. Every step. Well, this is good business. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, Ray left with Annie. Was you know we were talking about sweatsuit earlier, and it was because uh, gather Paul was calling him and get him a ride, uh, and he gets in the car. And this is where they f- start their first set of dialogue that I really appreciated. You know, and had some really good lines. And uh, he's like, you know, hey, there's a cure in the glove box, and he opens his glove box, and there's you know there's cigars, there's liquor, pills, pills, <laughs> the works. I mean, another example of Ray's got a yeah. you know sketchy past here. He said, you know, glove box. Choose your cure or whatever. Yeah. Pick your cure. <laughs> this, this like, is wow. <laughs> you know, for some of the cheese here and there, this this is a, a good spot. Right yeah, here. absolutely. A good dynamic right here. And, and it's, it's, you know, straight arrow as Paul tries to come off as. You know, he was like, oh, thank, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Here's life save. You know, uh, did he? Here's my my favorite one of my favorite lines is Ray's just kind of like uh, you know the hotel and and he, you know he's like oh it's covered in pods right like that and he goes the hotel have a shower you know it like kind of hit, hits him with the <laughs> insult you know like he stank man you know yeah yeah you get that uh, shit on your dick kind of yeah. smell oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> you had to go there. Come on, dude. Come on. Hey, he rushed right out. I mean, no telling. Yeah. He got right out of the bed. It's sure he's sweating out all the alcohol and the uh, yeah. 
Well, then, you know, Paul talks about, I don't know how to live. I've followed orders. I don't know what to do. Da, 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 da. And uh, Ray had a really good line. You know, he was like, you know, look out that window. Look at me. No one knows how to. You know, nobody does. And um, he had another really good line there. Um, Tell me my favorite line. Yeah. I remember you were talking about it earlier. Yeah. He said, you're a survivor. The rest of life is just dust in your eye. Blink it away. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I, I think that was that's a really, really cool. cool line. You know, yeah. I don't. I was going to say that was kind of my line too, but I didn't want to copy you. You know, you I'll know. let you have it. It's good yeah. too. Shut up. Anyway, um, goes back to Frank, and he's visiting this apartment complex. It's just full of Latino, Mexican um, attendants, and so on. And of course, he makes the discriminatory remark, uh, "Beaners," and and he's talking yeah. to the uh, landlord. How many beaners, how many, how many beaners you got here? And I'm like, geez. Um, and uh, he basically muscles him way back into being the muscle and handling collections for this place. Um, and goes from 30 to 40%, you know. And uh, evidently, F- Frank was a heck of a player, you know, before he tried to go legit, you know. Because when he shows these, you know, scenes where he's going in and muscling in, these people don't even, you know, give a whimper, you know, yeah, they trying don't. to stop him. Well, a lot of these people don't. First, at first, they all seem to, like, give that resistance at first. Until he shows his old side, you know, and you, you know, this is clearly tenement housings, you know, where it's like probably fifteen per unit stuffed in there. There are probably a lot of illegal aliens. Yeah, well, and, that are probably getting government checks, different that all cash under the table deals. Right, you know, yeah. and and then he changes his tune at the end, where it's like cut the grass. I don't want any of the kids yeah. get snake bit. Yeah, <laughs> so he went long. for beaners to I'll watch out for the kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, Another example was just, you know, left to right, right to left. It's just the dialogue and the writing is so vast. It's the nicest way I can say it. Well, I just don't – and it's not like I'm not enjoying his character, but I don't think they do him any favors by giving him this super deep, you know, dialogue that he's always talking with. Yeah. And know, sometimes very it's wordy and, you know, poetry-like. Yeah. Uh, Annie and Ray are in the car, and they follow the mayor, uh, Jasani's daughter, out the driveway, and uh, they decide to go talk her to her at the. You now it's she's smoking a hookah or hookah or whatever you want to call it. I don't know if that's like an hookah. Indian smoking device or no, no, no. Just a, a hookah is a basically a tube with a pipe on it, you know, and it's real easy because you can just lay on the couch and just pull the tube to you and stuff like gotcha. that. Okay, okay. When you see a green plus sign. Like a medical sign, that just means it's a medical marijuana facility. So there it's a hookah lounge. There you go. And she had goes the dialogue about how you know um, she knew who Casper was. She goes into background about her mama, um, and you know her dad's a very bad man. And then she gives you some really good tidbits of information. Uh, and I thought it was interesting how she worded some of these things. You know, she was talking about her mama. Her mama died in Arizona. And from the onset of pre-schizophrenia or something like, she was showing signs of becoming a schizophrenic. Right. And the doctor who treated her is Pitler. Same doctor slash shrink that was handling Casper. Right. And... Uh, you know, that's a little window into the past. Of There's a connection now between Mayor Jasani, Pitler, and Casper now. This is the first time you've made that connection. Which only gets deeper later in the episode. Exactly. 
Uh, then, of course, she's like, I got to quit talking. My dad's a really bad person, the whole nine yards. Well, it's weird. She said, my dad's a really bad person. And then she looks up at Ray and then decides to stop talking. And Ray did have a weird look on his eye, almost like twirling that toothpick in his mouth saying, you should probably stop talking. Like, with his eyes. You should like, he knows the, the capability. Right. Well, he knows because he's still under the thumb of his department and the mayor and stuff like that, which are dirty. So he's he's conflicted, too. Like, am I trying to solve this case or am I just trying to push this aside until these deals are done? I think he's made his decision on that. I think he's grown a conscience. And since he's got shot and everything else, I think he wants to figure this out and move forward. Uh, I don't yeah. think he can yet. I think because of the state investigation, he has to keep pushing stuff aside until the heat's off. You know what That's I'm saying? True. That's true. So he can't, that. he can't just solve the case because they, he knows now once the case is solved, it's all just this big package deal that they're trying to lump him into. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be the fall guy, basically. Um, Annie looking at these little bitty weird statues, and evidently she's talking to her sister. And uh, are these like relics from there when they were childhood with her dad and that weird commune he's a part of? Well, what it is is it's uh, their mother, the one that because they're, what they're talking about is where she says she lost her in the sunlight off the waves or off the water. Remember in the first episode she talks about how her her mom just walked into the ocean, and killed herself. All right. Just committed suicide by walking into the ocean. All right. And the daughters, I guess, were on the beach. And they, you know, she's telling me I should have kept my eye on her or whatever, you know. But that's how she died. But what this is, is these are all driftwood, you know, beech wood that's floated up. And they talk about her mom, how she polished it and carved it. And she was like, well, maybe I could take back one. She's like, well, you kept her knife. Remember that's what you remember that conversation? Mm-hmm. So what her, her mom would do is she would polish and carve driftwood and that was just kind of her thing i guess and Dude, one sister I'm happy you saw all that one sister had all the driftwood and i guess annie has her knife how about that well see i didn't even i didn't even get all that so oh yeah keen i'll give you the kudos but it's, on the- once again that was just kind of a way of explaining their dynamic and then rolling into a plot point with at least i'm not going to those parties or anything Right, you know, yeah, and she opens that door. Yeah. What parties? What parties are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, he's high rolling, highfalutin, prostitution, yeah. you know, hookers yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, and gives you more, a little more that, hey, they and do exist. Up north. Right. Those parties, you know, the ones up north. So they keep talking about north. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we'll get into my theories yeah. later. Yeah. Um, Paul and his girlfriend at the diner. Uh, and she hits him with it. I'm pregnant. I'm not. I don't believe in abortion. I want to keep it. And man, he he gets these eyes on him. And this is great. Let's get married. Da, da, yeah. Da. I think this, in my mind, tell me if I'm wrong with this, bro. This was like justification for him to choose the type of sexuality he wants to be, but he's conflicted. And so this is like. If I get married, I have a child. This is the way I'm supposed to be. This is who I'm thrived to be, but I still struggle with it. That's what I was seeing out of it. That's the reason he gets excited about this situation. Did you see something different? 
I think you're on the right track, but I don't think we know exactly his mindset. Like, does he want to be hetero? Or does he care? I know he's. I, I know he's he super does. conflicted. He works in a masculine job. He used to be a you know a marine, a mercenary. He's dating a smoking hot girlfriend. Now she's pregnant. He's doing everything macho, heterosexual, whatever you want to call it. And I think this is just like you know his icing on the cake. You know. Yeah, but I just look at it like this is still a snap judgment because he still needs Viagra to be able to sleep with his girlfriend. Which means, in all honesty, he's attracted to men, not women. Yeah, I'm with you. So it's I don't even consider him bi or even confused on that fact. He may be mentally, emotionally confused, but physically... Well, his body is, is one thing, his mind is another. Well, it may even be mentally, but emotionally he can't handle it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just, he's obviously, he's attracted to men. That's his thing. You know, so it's like... If he's just jumping to this, like, yeah, we should get married because this is giving him an out, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Well, like, this guy can stop pursuing me because, obviously, you know, I have a family to take care of. You know, this is my my path, you know? I'm leaving you behind. But that can only lead to more problems. Yeah, there was somebody in feedback. um, I think her name was uh, Angela or I can't remember her name. She said this was a... He gets excited because it's a way to show that he wouldn't be running out on his girlfriend or future wife who is pregnant to help him against, you know, the whole abusive allegations or blowjob. I, I thought that was kind of thin. Uh, I don't see that being him using that as a, a tool for that. I just don't think that would have been the first thing on his mind. You know, I yeah. think it would have immediately gone to shit after the night I just had. You know, this may be the best news for me. I can't be conflicted anymore because I have this responsibility, you know. Right, right, yeah. It, it finally gives him, you know, a direction to to run to. Right, but it's still, yeah. If they get married, it's like your foundation's full of cracks. Oh, yeah, rubble. Yeah. Um, Annie um, talking to her dad, Elliot. And gets some pretty big information, some pictures and stuff like and that. Them. Ray. And this Ray. is Ray's first time meeting Elliot. old dad. Yeah. You know, um, and they discuss uh, Pitler and Jasani and stuff. And he talks about how that was a, a big part of their past back in the eighties. And Jasani's dad. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a big wig. He'd be like in his nineties now. And mm-hmm. um, and it was you know this aura. You have this. Black and green aura. Green and black, yeah. Love this line. Now, this could have been my line, too. He's like, oh, you've had most of a thousand lives. You know, he goes, oh. what, what was it? What did he say? Don't think I can stand to live another one. Yeah, I can't stand to live another one. I was like, that's awesome. Or I don't think I can handle another one or something like that. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Um, but I like his his face when he says stuff to him. You know, when he talks about his aura, he's like, Ugh. you know I mean? <laughs> Elliot's like, this gruff bastard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um and of course, like I said, you see the picture, you see that they, people have association. So it goes back to the whole Jasani, Pitler, their connections there. There's no Casper in the picture, but we already know Casper was in deep with Pitler, so you can make that connection there. Right. Um, and then, of course, they're leaving and they're like, you know, what the heck does that mean? And he's like, well, I don't know when you buy a mood ring or something, you know? Oh, she said, well, maybe you're a mood ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a mood ring. <laughs> yeah. 
you know. I thought that was going to be. I like them two together, man. I, I could see them two together a lot. The dynamic's good. Yeah, you they're know? really good. It's not Woody and McConaughey dynamic, but it's getting there. But it's different. Yeah, it is. But it is. I, I feel their, you know, tension is really is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then they continue. Ray and Annie start visiting all these land sites up north. They they park on a spot. And you see, like the previews, you see this land spot with all these little poles and uh, flags all over them. look like construction spots. But, They're you like know, survey stakes. Survey stakes. And uh, you meet this environmental person who pulls out this map and talks about how this area all here is contaminated. The water table has ruined. You can't produce crops. The farmlands are garbage. Uh, all these family farms are selling out. And, and then this is the big piece of everything. He rolls this map out and he makes these circles, mercury, this, that, or so on. And they're all around this line, which I perceived as the it's future be the railroad. railroad track. Yeah, the future railway. And I'm looking, I'm like, that's so obvious. You know, my, my wife's like, what, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, they're just catalyst chemical company poisoning the water table, making the land dirt cheap. We're just making it un- unfarmable. Unfarmable. So it gets rezoned. For commercial for purposes commercial. to clean it up, and yeah. that's what the, you know they do, and they get all this dirt cheap, and then when the railway comes in, they redevelop it. Government overtures become million, you know, more and more millions, and it was all corruption, dirty, you know, swindling these people, and yeah. it's just yeah, and uh, to the point where they're ruining the land. That's yeah, to brutal. make money. Yeah, yeah that's brutal. Just, and. And I was like, here we go. Catalyst is a big part of this. Jasani is a big part of this. And now Pitler is a part of this. And so it's definitely starting to give you a direction of the lead of corruption, the lead of everything, how things are going. And it's a big tidbit, you know, out of the four episodes. Um, then it moves on to Frank. And um, <laughs> Here it is. Just like you said, and I didn't think much of it, like what you were talking about when he was looking at the ceiling in his monologue in the second episode. It looks like a set of eyes looking at him. Now he's at this table at the club, and there's two little circles there, and he has to slide the cup over it so he can't see it. I'm totally on your page now that this is like his perception of someone staring at him, and he can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's anxiety and stress is getting to him. Paranoia. Paranoia. Yeah. Yeah, because he thinks someone's coming after him. Like somebody's, you know, killed Stan and has ruined the Casper deal. And And bringing him back in, as he says. And pulling him back in, you know, so. So he's talking to this producer slash possible investor who's a connection to his wife. Um, This guy is in Parenthood, the show on NBC. Really? Yeah, he has a uh, little role in it. He's excellent. Uh, But he... Play, pulls off douchey really well. Yeah, I mean, douche character. There's no doubt. <laughs> uh, he's interested. Takes time. And This is a part I did not like. Vince Vaughn walks up to him, gets within like inches, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to drag my feet and I go to credit union, you know. I mean, if you're trying to encourage somebody to invest in this and you want them to pull the trigger just on what you say, and you're in your shady club, and you're a henchman, you know, basically. I mean, this was 
completely unrealistic to me. If anything, that would turn somebody off to 100%. That's not how – you're not going to muscle money out of that guy. I, I just – I thought this was a lacking part of the episode. I think it was more the fact that he could just tell and knew just because he knows that he wasn't interested. He was just wasting his time. Obviously, wanted he had some past with his wife and more or less took the meeting just to see her. Or because she called, because she asked for it. It's all the only reason he's there. He says he's interested in stuff like that, but I think it was all BS. Okay, I can give you that. I just, I didn't feel the scene. I didn't. I, I, didn't, I wasn't a fan. I think you got you saw a little bit of jealousy out of Frank. Plus, he don't like his time to be wasted. Yeah. Um, Paul and Sweatsuit Dixon go to the pawn shop and they're comparing watches with a picture of a watch. We establish this is Casper's stuff from uh, here. Um, I didn't figure this out until later, but this was all very convenient. Dixon was there, which is an interesting plot, you know, add-on, because we know he ain't doing no cop work. Um, so him being there was kind of suspicious. And later on, I think we'll have more to that. Um, and they see the watch. They match. They're like, well, hey, well, let's get the video and the whole nine yards. And so they established, yeah, that's where that was. Well, then um, you see a situation where Annie comes in and talks to her boss. And they talk about an IA complaint of sexual misconduct. And this is coming from her ex-boyfriend, correct? Mercer? Not even boyfriend. It yeah. just looks like a fling that he took too serious. When I first heard this, I was kind of like, what guy complains to IA about a f- sexual fling that didn't go well? Some weak character. Some weak-charactered man. Yeah, Boy. I was like, um, mail me your man card. This is weak sauce. And then she's like, yeah, he's probably out there a high five. And I'm like, I don't know of any dudes who want to say that they had sexual misconduct with a, another officer. Uh, to me, it makes you look like a chump, you know? No, was, I think she was talking about now it's public in the department. Now everyone knows I slept with him because I'm suspended for this. Because he filed a complaint. Everyone in the department now knows that okay, we had I'll give you that. I'll, I'll give you that. So um, now that it's in the open and she was trying to keep it low-key, you know. Yeah, remain professional. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that goes back to, hey, teeth in a baggy comment cost her, you know. Yeah, and then you see she also had a fling with Elvis. Yeah. A one-nighter, it looks like. With his bad marriage, I had a one-night stand. Um. You know, and she made some good comments. I really enjoyed Rachel McAdams' part where she's like, this is bull crap. This wouldn't be happening. I was a man. Double standard and so on. And then her boss was like, you know, don't talk like that. Just, you know, yeah, we would, but it'd be worded differently like that. And then she throws out to this mayor, Jasani, is, she, is he behind this? Is he going after me and that kind of stuff? And he doesn't give her a ringing endorsement that he's not involved. You know, did you, I, I clearly saw like somebody was pushing this agenda against her. But how would the mayor know about the misconduct? Like, how would he be involved in that? I could see out of spite that guy filing the misconduct charge. Okay. Now, he's, 
she's not even in that department. She's not in Benchy. She's sheriff's department. Yeah, I know. I, so I, I, you know, I know what you're saying. I guess you're right. He you're, has you're friends. Right. I mean, how how would he have his fingers in that information? Unless he was the one that was like, unless he has, you know, the high friends like they talk about, to say, oh yeah, well then suspend her ass, push this through, you know. But keep her on the special detail. Well, I don't think they could take her off. You know, at this Cause point, because she's lead, investigation. Yeah, you know. So yeah, it was. But I really enjoyed Rachel McAdams in this part. I oh, really yeah. enjoyed how she hit that. It looked real and believable. She did a really good job. I was impressed. Um, of course, like you talked about earlier, she walks out. I can't. I'm suspended. And he's like, you know, hey, it was a one night. And my marriage was rough. And he, she's like, F off, you know. Yeah, thanks a lot, partner. Yeah. it was. Uh, she really alienated herself even in that situation. So, uh, oh, well. Um then we have a situation where you see Paul's character. He is in front of all these Vinci police, and he's showing the pawn shop video. And he's talking about the girl who's a, who's a pro who works for this pimp. Um, can't remember that guy's name. It was a really unique name. Um, and he's like, well, this, we, we've got a tip from a CI that he's going to be here. We're going to go in. We're going to do this. All, you know, uh, APP. Um, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, actually, this is not where they know where he is. They're, this is where he's like, let's find him. Let's look for him. Yeah, we're looking that for kind the, of guy, stuff. the bald guy, Latin dude with the mustache. Right. And uh, everybody's there but Annie, but she shows up late and comes in as they're basically dismissing it. Let's find this person. Let's talk to him. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, then it goes to Frank and Ray, um, and they're sitting back at the bar, and... Um, Ray divulges all the, we found the watch, this girl pawning it, she works for this pimp, um, gives him his name and stuff. And, uh, you know, this is where he starts, has this really cool dialogue. And one of my, you know, another one of my favorite parts is, you know, he's like, yeah, you're a lot better to talk to you when you're not in the bottle, you know. And uh, he makes that comment about, you know, uh, which I thought was really neat, you know, you realize, Ray, that, you know, sometimes your worst self is your best self. You know, you, you're wasting a talent. You need to quit this job and come work for me. And he's not taking it. He's, uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to be your muscle, you know. Yeah. Um, I enjoy those two's dialogue very well. You know, we are kind of beating up the whole dark bar scene and the eye, you know, the light, the girl low light singing, yeah, uh, depressing music, I mean, and we've seen that all four episodes. You know, so they always make these scenes real artsy. You know, where they're like looking at each other silently a lot. You know, until one of them speaks. You know what I mean? Almost. You know, I don't know what they're trying to show with it, but they always do it. They show him staring, then they show Vince Vaughn's character staring, and one of them finally opens their mouth, you know, the whole time of the music playing. and Like they're trying to create a tension. I don't know. I think, like I said, they just beat it to death, you know. Yeah, I don't know if they're like trying to make it look like they're, they're equals and one doesn't want to give up any, you know, any leeway at all, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like two opposites. I mean, one's like, you work for me. Well, no, reality, I don't work for you. And it's it's definitely an interesting dynamic. But like I keep saying, they just keep just doing the same thing over and yeah. over and but over. But I don't ever mind it because I like the way they talk to each other. Yeah. Um, 
Then you see Ray. He visits his kid, I guess, and he's kind of hiding out from him in the backyard. Gives him the badge encased in glass or plastic, whatever like that, and then says, this is going to mean something to you one day. And the kid's receptive. You know, he's actually talking to him. He's not scared of him. He's not intimidated. Uh, and I guess we're trying to have this unique father-son moment with this kid who looks nothing like him. <laughs> Slightly overweight, redheaded, freckled, ginger, what do you want to call it? Um, Blake's kid by theory. Anyway, um, you know, gives him a little hug and so on. Mommy starts calling and poof, in the shadows he's gone. He had a comment in this though where he says, you know, when you're older or like later on, when you find out where you came from, you know, remember this. It'll mean something to you. Yeah. I think he's trying to say later on when you find out that you might be the product of a rape. You know, don't forget that I was there. You know, don't forget I was there for you. You know, my wife and I were talking. It kind of felt like he was saying goodbye. Like he wasn't expecting to come out of this. Did you I get think, that vibe? Because they go straight into the raid scene after this. Like maybe he was like, you know. I think the show was trying to set you up. Something could go down. So I want to talk to you before, you know. Even if it's. Something could go down before the state investigation, or I've already been shot once. So if I get killed in the, you know, solving this case, whatever the case, or if I take off running because the case does come after me, and I gotta flee. You know what I mean? So I feel like he's like, remember me this way. You know, if I'm gone, whether it be dead on the run or in prison, you know, this will mean something to you one yeah, day. I was yeah. still your dad. I was yeah. there for you. Yeah, I give you that. Um, Frank is in his casino and he's talking to his crew, Blake's sitting there, all those other guys, and he gives the details. This is the pimp. This is him. I want to have a conversation with him. Go find him. Get it. You know, and then he tells Blake, you stay. And he kind of, you know, go ahead and puts the accusal out there of, Hey, you know, you're not around. Things aren't going right. Stan dies. Basically putting his pieces together that I got this feeling in the back of my neck. That you know, kind of that you're not you're not on 100 percent on the team, and uh, makes him stay and become a pit boss, you know, at the casino for a while, and you know, kind of keeping a thumb on him. Um, that just kind of plays into what a lot of theories have been going on that Blake's dirty, or you know, he's got a part in the you know race kid, or different things of that nature. Well, he makes a comment about how well Blake's dressing now. He's real nice suits and stuff like that. And he's talking with a little more confidence swagger. than he yeah, ever did. A little more swagger. And when he leaves the room, uh, Frank tells his wife that Chisani said somebody's interested in the poker room. So I'm assuming outside that, it's, interest. that it's Chisani's coming to Blake saying, you want to take this over? Do you want to take this over? Because Frank's losing it. You know, so... You could step in and fill this role as long as you keep getting me my monthly, weekly payments, you know. And it's maybe feeding him some dough, you know, to get balls rolling oh, yeah. in certain ways. He's trying to rise to power. Like he said to his wife, these, this new generation wants to go straight to the top. You know, they yep. don't want to work their way up properly. Yep. And uh, so, so I he's definitely playing into that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Blake ends up being the one that's trying but, to move in on Frank. Not necessarily the one that messed up the Casper deal, but the one that's trying to rise the ranks. 
keep them in turmoil. Yeah, the way things go on, self-destruct. Yeah, I give you that. Um, Annie and her crew, they uh, they're all got their vests on. She's giving instructions on the raid to go after this pimp and so on. Um, You notice right before this happens, there's a scene where you see sweatsuit Dixon and he's outside this place and he's looking around, takes a bit, whatever like that. He comes back and this, all this information is coming from a CI from Dixon. Okay. Sweatsuit. And so then they're planning this raid based on his CI information, um, which was an immediate red flag for me. And then you see the Lieutenant come out there and go, do you need this much manpower? And then the mayor goes, you know, y'all stay safe out there. You know, before they even go on this raid, I was screaming set up. I was like, I was like, oh, heck, this is, this is going to go down ugly. This is all a trap. You know, I'm thinking, why? Why does the Lieutenant ask about this much manpower? Because he don't want to lose cops. He don't want all those cops out there. Why is the mayor in a debriefing for a raid on a pimp? That they're not even sure has anything to do, or possibly, you know, yeah, it has something to do with Casper, but we don't know. And just assuming that it's just going to be raiding an apartment of a pimp. Yeah. Not that it's going to be a cook lab and yeah. machine guns. Machine guns and all this stuff. And he's over there, you know, be safe out there and that stuff. Like that. I, I was like, oh, this is going to get heated. This is going to be real. And Dixon, when he comes up in that scene where you talk about they're all standing around with a vest on debriefing, basically, he's like, aren't we just going to wait for him to exit? Yeah, you know, and Annie's like, "No, nah, we're going in," you know, and he's like, "Oh shit," you know, and he's yeah, like there was so many clues. This is a setup, and yeah. I he think obviously didn't want to go up. Oh no, you know, he wanted nothing to do with this. Yeah, so you, then this is the part that was unbelievable. Now I love this whole sequence, but them in broad daylight, just walking down the street casually, the guy carrying you know a battering ram, and they're just kind of, I mean, like. But the thing is, is if you look at it from what they're assuming they're walking to, they're just assuming they're walking to an apartment complex, you know. And you got to think this neighborhood's probably seen dozens and dozens of raids. That just furthers my point. Why would you go down the middle of the street where everybody can see you coming? But who's everybody? Like who's who's looking out for that guy? This neighborhood looks pretty sketchy. I do believe that. Yeah, if this is a pimp and you know it has something to do with a murder, you're you're gonna treat this guy as a potential threat. You're not gonna walk down the middle of the street. Right. I understand what you're saying. But here's the thing. They have all this manpower. They're going to one building. Their plan is, okay, just surround the building. Yeah, we'll send some guys up, but hey, you you watch the back door, the side door, stuff like that. Like I don't feel like they were too worried Brash, about the situation about they're going they're to. All this manpower and maybe one bad guy. Okay, I just thought it was thin. Well, then, of course, they're going to Mill Street. All of a sudden, one guy takes two or three rounds to the chest. The batting ram, he's dead and on the ground. They all get behind cars. And this guy is spraying and praying everywhere. And, uh, you know, they're shooting this window. You know, from the camera point of view, he doesn't look like this is an unreasonable shot, even with a pistol, to wing this guy to get him to spraying everywhere. You know, but they keep but, showing that Paul is obviously the cool undercover. Oh, no cool fear. Cool under pressure, best shot. 
which is good because I wanted to see the military guy be the one that's he gets at least ten rounds of this guy at the window and finally clips him, you know, to get him. But he's but, the only one that's even pushing the guy back out of the window because right. he's hitting around the frame inside the window and stuff. Now, Annie shot some and, of course, Ray shot some. And then just the stunner, you know, sw- sweatsuit Dixon, we lost him. He, he just, just took he, one he, he to goes, the oh, crap, And then he starts, boom, right in the face. Just, you know, there's oh, brains rough. on the sidewalk, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And wow. at that point, I was like, dang, that's a pretty, you know, a couple guys have already gone down. That'll probably be about it. Yeah. No. no, 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 no. We're talking about a hundred fatalities on this yeah, episode. No. Well, you know, so then they make their way to the building, and finally Paul gets a shot on the guy and takes him down. Right. They make their way around, and uh, Annie decides to go around to the back, and Paul and Ray, I guess, are going to make a frontal assault. And by this time, they're down to four or five cops. You know, the, you know, out of the eight they brought, yeah, and um. They all bust out the back, hop in this SUV, and Annie's solo. Of course, she's shooting at the car, and they're shooting back. Out of all the rounds she shot, she never even broke the black glass. Did you notice that? She did break the glass on one on something because you hear it break. But uh, you know, it was pretty cool to see her running in the and, in the, dirt, and stuff. The, yeah. the dirt flying up where the bullets were. This shooting. This was really good camera stuff because it was yeah. obviously attached to the back of a truck. While she's running and weaving, and yeah, that's I thought really that was cool. pretty impressive. That's well done. It was impressive. I, I enjoyed that. Um, of course, you see Paul, cool customer, like you're talking about, and he's you know they're seeing the vehicle go through the you know, windows of the and between the buildings, stalking down the side right. street. And so they're going after it. And then how about this crash? This SUV hitting this bus. That was real deal, man. I loved it. I thought it was like, yes, that looks real. That's a heck of a collision. Looks awesome. real. Nothing. That was a Tahoe hitting a bus. Now, let me hit timeout right here. Right in the middle, before they hit this raid and this gun scene, you see a news crew talking about these people picketing about how this railway coming in has no probative value to the real residents of Vinci. Right. It's not, it's not bringing any money to the families that live there. Right, um, th- and like trying to show this is another big corporation making big money at the expense of your local residents. Right, they're just collateral damage. Exactly, basically so, gentrifying, pushing out all the poor people. Right, and so it, uh, you know, it's just another little tidbit. But then when this car accident or this SUV hits this bus, and these jokers come out of this SUV spraying. Just guns Taking blazing. bystanders and protesters down. Cops. Four, three, everybody. four. Hitting cops. And so we're down to five cops left. And which, of course, you're three main characters and two other characters and two other police officers. And these guys are just spraying here, spraying there. They're shooting at him. Finally, they get one. They A cop tries to go from here. He gets a shot in the face and goes down. Ugh. You know, the face shot was popular. Yeah, there's at least three cops that get shot in the face in this whole series. Yeah. Um, So then, you know, Annie is pinned down. Paul's on the backside of the bus trying to come through, and this guy's just spraying the windows, taking folks out. Taking bus bus. riders out and everything. The driver. Oh, yeah, the driver's like, he realizes that Paul's right there, and this guy just sprays up and kills the driver. Um, So then Annie runs out of ammo. This other cop tries to come up and help save her, and he takes him in the face. Yep. You know, and she goes over to him to get ammo, and he's out. Um, 
And so, then she pulls out this wicked little boot, boot knife. knife. Yeah. This big old severe curve on it. I was like, oh, we're going to get to see that knife scene. I was like, no, yes. She was scared to death because she would have taken it. And that's what gave it some legitimacy to me. Yep. You know, we were talking about in the last episode about how you know she's gonna have this. She's gonna have a knife scene and a, a badass moment where she's thinking. When she was in there, and, she, and her arms shaking yeah, and trembling, and she's realizing I'm not even about to die. Yeah. And I was like, "Yes, that's real. That's that's good acting. That's good direction. That's good writing. This is what I want to see." And then you know, uh, Paul, Paul? Ends up, Paul ends up shooting the guy from the backside right. before he gets to Annie. And which was awesome. And then they're both right there. And the last bad guy, you know, the pimp, gets on the bus, grabs a guy, uh, and puts a gun to the back of his head and slowly inches him off the bus. Now, I know that guy that he grabbed. Like, he's been in shows before. Now, he didn't get no credits like that, but I've seen that actor before. Anyway, he inches him back, and he's got this smile on his face and so on. All right, so on a scale of 1 to 10, how much did you think one of them was going to just shoot him while he was holding the guy? Oh, 10. I thought, I thought for, for sure, sure Paul was going to put him I down. I thought for sure Paul was like, <laughs> that's it. You know, he was just going to drop. I'll but I honest, did think. I thought, I, Ray, did, I thought Ray might shoot the hostage in the leg. I was thinking that and same thing. bring him thing. down. I thought he was going to drop him on the knee to drop him down. And I was like, eh, well, maybe not. He's under investigation. You don't shoot a civilian. Right. But then I thought for sure Paul was just going to smoke him. But I also thought if he did shoot him, that the gun was going to go off and kill him anyway, the hostage. Yeah. So I think he was going to do something good, but still lose the hostage either way. I th- I felt like the hostage was dead no matter what. We've had so much carnage yeah. out of all this. I was like, this hostage ain't walking out unscathed. Oh, and he takes it Of back. course, he blows him away, and they put 10 rounds in him you know, on the ground. And then Ray runs over there and rolls him over to make sure, you know, try to put some braces, but he doesn't. Okay, I didn't understand this part. He rolled him over. And almost like he was going to handcuff him. Exactly. Because you know, that's standard. You know, they still do that. You know, I've even seen that in cop shows and reality and so on, where even if you shoot a suspect and you, you pretty much know they're dead, you oh. still go and handcuff them to, to ensure. doesn't matter if they need medical attention or not. They shot the guy at least 10 times yeah, in the body. Yeah, a lot. You know, I was he, waiting for Annie to run over with a knife and give him a good know, throat Make sure. I got yeah. a piece. I got a piece, you know. <laughs> Let me hamstring him. Uh, but then... This is where I got a lot of, con- you know, not controversy, but a lot of talk. You see Ray and Annie break down. But not Paul. And Paul holsters that pistol like, <sighs> another, another day, another on the day in the office, you know. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Uh, going back to, you know, he's he's combat ready. He's had the experience. He's yeah. been in these firefights. He's cool customer. They obviously have not. Right. And Ray breaks down, you know. The only thing. I didn't really care for here is everybody by dies, but the three main characters. It's just, I would let me have one other cop lived. So it doesn't look like only the three main characters survived this setup. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not sure necessarily that all the other cops died, but you don't see any other ones that are wandering moving. around. Yeah. Okay. And they got face shots or multiple shots <laughs> of the chest. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, DOA, okay? Um, yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, and I really like the 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 differences they're showing with Paul and them too. I think Ray was more freaked out because, like I said, he was saying bye to his kid pretty much, you know? Like, it was almost OV for I him. I just don't think he re- – I think he was shocked that he walked away from this. 
And Annie, I think, was legitimate. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm a badass, but I've never really been involved. I was on death's doorstep right. until Paul saved me. All right, so I think she got humbled a lot. Ray was just scared because he, for real, almost didn't get to see his kid again. Just me think about it. He's had a premonition that he's going to get shot to pieces. Yeah, and then Paul is just over there, cool customer. Yeah, like I've been here, you know. All right, go back to the question you said earlier. Okay, does this firefight have? anything to do with the plot now look i wasn't putting a ton of the pieces together about dixon and the mayor and them talking about do you need this much manpower and stuff this has nothing to do with the casper other than an attempt to wash the case away by saying the pimp was the bad guy and this can close the case and the added bonus of we tipped him off and let's go ahead and kill bezerides and all these cops and it cures the state investigation as well Right, so they don't have. Because I would assume if even if one or two of them survived the fight, that they would have somehow met their maker soon. You know yeah. what I mean? No, no, no. Unfortunate doubt. circumstances would have, uh, you know, come true. So I, I like that part. I think the case is dead. I think from this point forward, anything that moves on the Casper case is completely off the books, and it's all, it's done by these characters on their own. Because you got to think they're all suspended, except for Ray, but Ray's under investigation, so he has to mind his p's and q's too. Yeah, they're going to spend this. So just you know that the Casper death is closed, right? You know the mayor and the Vinci police are going to come right out and be like, "Case closed. This is exactly. obviously him," you know. Sucks our man Dixon went down and all these brave souls and yeah, these civilians. Memorial and everything else. So you can easily see how they would try to spin this, you know. Which I think is, like I said, it's not a big plot thing, but it is a cool story device Yeah. to yeah. put those characters in a different mindset. Because say they put the pieces together and they're like, what happened here? Like, why were these guys waiting for us with our machine guns and you know why was this a oh, cook yeah. lab and the next episode we're gonna know that because like when that roof blew up they all knew we have just hit the fan you know yeah. what i'm saying and so th- there's gonna be no doubt that they're all gonna know this was all pre-arranged pre-planned and the one person who can prove it just took a bullet to the face yeah so if they start if they start realizing that this was a setup to obviously wipe the Casper case clean and possibly have cost them their lives, you know, just trying this. Shit could get ugly for the dirty cops and the the mayor and all his group, you know. So we'll see, I guess, you know, where this goes from here. But like I said, wasn't a big plot point, but as far as fun and action-packed and keeping you on your seat, you know, that was that was fun stuff. Yeah, it was a good adrenaline and rush. I, I enjoyed that part of it where we haven't had we've hadn't had hardly any we had zero action before this other than Frank's fight, basically. Um but I did enjoy that. We could both agree best part episode. Yes. Yeah, I mean I love the, the realistic what I consider a really good version of realistic, you know of a street level gunfight. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I I definitely give you that. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, uh, 
the show wrapped right there. And I think it was a good point to wrap. You know, you see them break down their emotional things have gone that way. Um, I thought that was a really neat, you know, way to go. And like I said, I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, you want to go into feedback? Yeah, let's jump into it. Yeah. Um, the, let's see, we had a guy named Harvey, um, he says, guys, I really enjoyed last night's episode. Um, I thought the bakery scene with Frank was the best Vince Vaughn scene he's done all season. Um, I also dug the whole uh, sex in the workplace with Annie and the double standard BS that she called our boss on. Um, now, I know it's not season one, but I think the show is definitely ramping up in these areas to make it as quality as before. Your thoughts? I mean, I totally agree. Like I said, I'm I'm enjoying the dynamic between the characters way more at this point than it was in the first episode. I agree that the show is ramping up and getting better and better. I think it was a slow burn in the beginning. Um, Vince Vaughn, um, Harvey, I'm a little off on you on that. I, I think he uh, he's gotten better here and there, but it seems like every episode he has at least one part that makes me go, eh. You know, Rachel McAdams, She's uh, she's hitting on all cylinders. I think she's doing great. So I agree with you there. There's there there's no doubt. Um, and then let's see. We have Julia. Um, she talks about the Rachel McAdams comment. Um, she quotes: "The moments they stare back at you, you don't remember them. They remember you. Turn around, and they are there, staring." She said, "Did y'all notice the all? Ca- or, I'm sorry, the all-seeing eye that was on the." mayor's daughter's necklace she was wearing around her neck while she was smoking her hookah um and she was talking about her mother do you think that's a definite connection uh that'd be a i mean cool observation um but it'd be a reach to to find out but the thing of it is is we've known now that there is a connection between you know, Pitter and, you know, and his past with Elliot. And now that kind of makes a connection to Annie's mom and stuff like that. So, you know, possibly both mothers died, you know, in relation to that group. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Another one coming out. Um, Ashley said, Did y'all notice this is the first episode that the writer Nick Palazzo gave credit to an associate writer, a guy named Scott Lasser. Do y'all believe he was brought in for a, surfer, um, a certain purpose of this show? Yeah, I mean, he could have been the guy that wrote the action scenes or something like that. You know, I mean, I'm sure Pizzolatto does most of the dialogue and stuff like that, but as far as setting up these scenes and how you want them to run and and writing, you know, how that's going to flow. I can see where he could come in with a co-writer on that. I can see that. I, I would think he would brought in for a purpose. I don't, you know, I don't know if he just, if this is a friend or something or he had a purpose, but I felt like the episode definitely was a geared up um, compared to the first three. So, yeah, maybe that he's the reason for that. I remember, like, we talked about last thing, the fourth episode of the first season was incredible. Probably and the best the, episode you know, the, of television. 
Yeah, the children of men television camera style they did where there's nonstop and epic violence, gun battles, and everything else. Um, like you say, I don't think anything I ever touched that. I think that cinematography and direction and the writing was, you know, untouchable. Um, but I did, like I said, I really enjoyed this. And if Scott was responsible for the action parts of this, kudos. I think yeah, it, was, good on it, was, it was really, really good. Um, Let's see. Uh, Pinky says, for me, the biggest problem this season is that the crime, parentheses Casper's murder, is uninteresting. I really don't care why he died or what happened to Frank's money. Right now, the only big, me- the only one big, big mess of yarn that has yet to connect to anything. I enjoy the episodes and the action, but there hasn't been anything I could care about solving. I keep hoping there is a reason we've been following Frank around all season long because right now his scenes are just throwaways in comparison to the regular characters, which makes me sad. This is a huge opportunity for Vince, and I don't I don't see this helping his career at all the way the show is going. There were so many things in season one that TD did that I really liked. Primarily the case was opened. It evolved as the season went along. I'm yearning for this episode to have some type of Yellow King. What do y'all think? comparison um i'm doing my best not to compare two to one because like i say i'm i pride myself on my expectations i go to the movie theater i i know if it's just a popcorn flick and i don't think too much about it i go into it and i'm like i'm here to have a good time it doesn't have to be a academy award or oscar winning you know what I mean? Movie of any kind, as long as I have fun. So with True Detective, I don't go into season two, any of the episodes, thinking if this is not like season one, then I'm gonna be disappointed. That's a that's difficult. I, I think I know where he's going for. In my point of view, I agree. I think that the murder is not what's interesting of this series so far. Yeah, I mean, I was really like into it, like, all right, let's let's figure out who the possible people are and why, da da da. But right now, I think it's going more toward the direction of which Pizzolatto has said himself that he wants this show to be more about characters and their struggles, not so much the case itself. And I think he's accomplishing that greatly. And I think that's what it's getting panned so hard. Because the first one was about the case that had really cool dynamic characters that had a really unique relationship and so on. This one, the crime is the subplot or anything or a, you know a, an extra plot of what's really you know going on between these dynamics of these characters. And I think what he's yearning for is is that you want the case to be the primary motive, and then the character development be an enrichment of it. In this case, the character development is the forefront and the case is the, is in the background. And I think that's the way I look at it. And so I agree. I want to look for a yellow King. I want to look for a smoking gun or just that. But as Pizzolatto said before, he's making this season much more straightforward. And so I don't think it's so much of a, you know, a whodunit, but more or less just getting the pieces and figuring it out. Uh, and it being a straightforward, hair run-of-the-mill situation. Yeah, but see, I also look at it like that whole gunfight was because that was the lead, the biggest, best lead they've had towards Casper's death. And so I, I believe it was just a setup to get rid of the cops. 
Yeah, I understand that, but they found the pawn shop video of them pawning the stuff with did their they? fingerprints. Did they? Or did Dixon plant that? But they know they have their fingerprints. If anything, they know they have fingerprints. But I agree with what you're saying. Maybe this is just a group with Dixon you know, setting this up to where this could be a wash, you know? But I I think they're doing that to kind of just, you know, pull the wool over your eyes a little bit. I think Casper's death is still going to be the most important thing. I think what they're doing is they're just laying down all the little bricks that'll stack up to, you know, what'll eventually be the big <laughs> unveiling. And when we get into our usual suspect spot in a minute, I'll talk about my theory on this and i'm not to say i'm 100 right and all knowing but i have a feeling of where i think this might go and we'll okay. see um the next three um feedbacks i put in here are different point of views and their theories about where this show's going or who the bad guy is and something and i thought they were pretty interesting because they were all different all right, well let's just break into the usual suspect part and this will be the First three theories we hear today. Okay, we can do that. Let's roll right into that. Um, go around the usual suspects. We'll go down our line again. Um, Make it quick. Take it is right. All right. The first of all, we'll go, of course, our main characters. Uh, any percent or change in thought on Ray being no. a part of the bad guys? Zero. Zero percent. Okay. I agree. Annie? Zero. Zero, I guess. All right. Uh, Paul? Zero. Dun, dun, dun. One of our feedbacks says... Here we go. Yeah, all right. In the first four episodes, the second season of True Detective, Nick Palazzo has offered a number of clues to the identity who killed Vinci City Mayor Ben Casper. But subsequently complicated gangster Frank Siemens, played by Vince Vaughn, multi-million dollar land deal ahead of the planned high-speed railroad project. Casper was killed by Paul Widrow. Only Detective Dixon, played by W. Earl Brown, suspected Woodrow thus far, and now Dixon is dead. Don't forget, there was a videotape in the second season, and just there, and just like there was in the first season, there is always a videotape, and it is always a necessary ingredient in Pizzolatto's formula. Your thoughts? No, still Not zero. It? Still zero on Paul. Marvin thinks differently. I mean, it just play out so weird of with the bike scene where he finds Ben's body. That that is a catch, okay. But you know what, I'm Marvin. I'm gonna raise mine from fifteen percent to about thirty percent possibility. Jesus. It could be a good dynamic or good <laughs> shocker. You know, um, don't I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> shut your mouth. The only thing about this is is if he really was a part of this. Would he really have been in the shootout in this, at the end of the scene? You know, if he was a conspirator? I don't know. You know, you could say, that, hey, he wanted to get rid of your henchman that was a part of it. So you never know. Um, thin as spring ice. <laughs> so thin. <laughs> All right. So we'll move on. All right. Frank. Zero. I'm going zero two. They've played so much to him being unraveled and everything else. There's just no way. All right. Frank's wife. I'm still zero. I have reduced it from 65% to 10%. <laughs> you know, Welcome. If Welcome anything, to she might be 
a contributing factor to, to Blake, but I don't think she's a player. I went from 65 to 10. Yeah. Um, Blake. Do I think Blake had anything to do with the murder of Casper? Or part of – is he intertwined with it? I think he could be intertwined possibly. So I'm going to give Blake 15%. All right. I was at 25% last time. Um, based on, I hate to say what I say on preview-wise, what he says, the way things are going, I think he is a part of a bigger scheme in my overall theory. And so I think he's definitely a player into it. Just not to the level of like the actual murderer or henchman. So 30%. That's what I'm going with. Um, unfortunately, sweatsuit Dixon memorial. I'll say, I think he was involved. Oh yeah, he, he was dirty. I think he was part of the corruption, dealing with the mayor and Vinci police uh, as part of all this, and unfortunately, took a AK-47 round to the face. Uh, He's definitely not the Ravenhead guy. No. Because he'd be about no. 250 over pounds. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and remove uh, Dixon removed. from the partner. Yes. The mayor. Jasani. Uh, once again, it's like he's not the shooter. Okay. But do I think he has something to do with it? I'll go another 15%. Well, that's the thing. Overall, I really, I mean, overall in the big plot, I, I put him up there a lot higher. But are we going usual suspects on who killed Casper or on. All because right. Casper might be. Can just we both a, agree? We do not believe that the death of Casper was done by. Technically, he was. It was done by a henchman at the behest of something else. Okay, that's where I think is going on. And but, I would agree. But do I believe the mayor is involved in the killing? Do you think he's the mastermind? No. Not at all. And when we get into my theories, as a matter of fact, I'll even more. Okay. Let me read you a feedback. Um, here, Gary says, Pizzolatto said the season before the season started, he decided he wanted to uh, cut out the cult stuff and focus on characters. This is playing. This is paying off greatly as involved. Jasani is behind it all. He ousts Casper, and he also, by doing this, ousts Frank Seaman. He is the sole party running the train line right now, and so he stands to make most profit on that and retain all his power in this. See, I, I think I think he's got the connections. I think he's involved, but I don't think he's one of the big dogs yet. I I'm bumping him up to seventy five percent to being a if not the head honcho, he's the next man next to the head honcho in this situation. I, I hate to say this, and this is disappointing to me. I think Pizzolatto has written this where it is about police corruption and he was killed 
to look like it was satanic or personally motivated or different like that to deflect the case away from the ultimate goal of protecting my money and interest and power. And this is how we've done it through generations and generations of Jasanis and the, the connection, the connect the dots are just right there. Annie's dad, Hitler, uh, you know, Casper, Frank. It's the one theory that connects everybody. The only wild card is Paul Woodrow. And that's when that other feedback came back and said, Woodrow, you know, Marvin said Woodrow was involved. It kind of throws that spice in there to make it, you know, make that theory have something go <gasps> really wild. That's cool. You know, to a, basically pretty standard corruption case so i think that's a it's a great possibility that the mayor is flexing his muscle we just didn't realize that he they make him look like he's a drunk buffoon but the reality is is that he's got his fingers and everything and he's uh ain't nobody gonna muscle into his deal okay here's what i'll say it this is how i'll say it i think 100 percent the mayor's involved okay but i think he will be a patsy Okay, I could I could roll with that a little bit. I, I get what you're talking about. I, I definitely do. Um, I want to read this feedback while we're in here. Um, I don't think the shootout is a way to keep the metro stop uh, in Da Vinci on track. I'm sorry. I do think the shootout is a way to keep the metro stop in Vinci on track. That makes sense. It was a cover, number one, to kill protesters at the Metro. Number two, to get L.A. to stop running buses into the area to encourage the Metro to stop. And three, for the mayor eventually to get his investigation closed. It's a win-win for the bad guys all around. Do you guys think this is possible? I don't think it. I don't think the bus part is. <laughs> this is the way to stop the Metro, to run into Eesh. it and kill everybody on it? <laughs> that's That's a stretch. Yeah, but I think we both agree that this was hoping to be a clean sweep of oh, kill all the birds one stone of you know basically killing a suspect and possibly killing the police involved. I'm right there with you on that one. All right, Pitler, the shrink, hundred percent. Okay, I'm with you. I'm just like the mayor, seventy five percent involved. Either he's number one and the mayor's number two, or mayor's number one and he's number two. I think it's that deep, you know, somehow. Um, you know, in the, in the shrink, you know, Pitler, man, he, he looks like the build of the shooter, but it goes right into the next person who I am now 100%, 100%, you mark it down. The <laughs> Lieutenant is the Raven man. I was, I was high earlier. Now I'm in the books, put it in the books right now. Okay. Raven is Lieutenant. Okay. He's the henchman. I mean, I got. Like I say, I won't give him the 100% as far as the shooter, but he gets the same involvement basically as the mayor does because it's their department. You know what I mean? Once again, I think they're involved, but they'll all go down as patsies. I hear you. He's he's the shooter of Ray. Okay. He's the one who takes Casper out there. Okay. He's the one who has direct connection to Dixon to put the merchandise in a pawn shop. He's and Dixon has this connection to this pimp. It is connecting those dots so well. The lieutenant is one hundred percent to my mind. Uh, is the chief in this? Chief's the same kind of spies lieutenant for me. Like I said, he's he's involved, 
but he's not the one pulling the string. Yeah, I mean, I think he's involved, but I don't think he has any hands-on with any of this other stuff. No, I think he basically does police stuff. That's it. Catalyst. I got the Catalyst guy, the leader of it, but... He's not the shooter, but 100% they're involved. Yeah, I think Catalyst is at every point of this. I'm with you on that as well. All right, Casper's secretary. Okay, she's a weird one because they show her. They show her a couple times now. Um, She's been in the first episode and she was in the third episode, but she was not in the last one. And the third episode showing was very random. Yeah, she's collecting paperwork, tax documents, according to her, and stuff like that. And it's like she's bringing paperwork to whoever this, you know, situation, whoever, whoever pulling the strings, think maybe this information makes a difference in their deal to the future. I could see this girl clearly working for Catalyst. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no doubt. So I'm going to say she's involved, whether it's knowingly or not, she's in it. Um, and you know it wouldn't surprise me to be unknowingly you know that she's just doing what she thinks is her job and is in right in the middle of something terrible you know very possible alright what about Elliot uh, Bezzeridi's daddy 100% really 100% and this is all going to my theory here very soon I can't wait to hear this theory because I'm going to go with 5% <laughs> Elvis, our partner. Nah, zero. Zero percent. Matter of fact, I think Elvis is going to get iced oh, sooner yeah. than later. All right. Yeah, because he could be a uh, he could be a liability later. Yeah, just an emotional connection to Annie. You know. All right. <laughs> Scarred waitress. I haven't seen her in a couple episodes. No. Nope. Um, I think she was put in as more or less to point the direction at the Pitler and his surgery and damaging of women or something like that. I don't know. There was, there was a visual representation. I just hadn't figured out what it is. Yeah. Is she the shooter? I'm going to say no, because I don't think she would shoot Colin. Fair- she wouldn't shoot Ray. Mm, as no, far as I'm concerned. No, she's not Raven. Um, but do I think she has some weird connection? Yes. Yes. Because I think she has some weird connection with the woman that was missing you know what I mean? Like maybe she saw some things, went through some shit, and just made it out alive. You know, very true. Um, my wild card from last week: the foreclosure couple. Zero point zero 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 percent. I'm gonna retain a little bit. Uh, I was at fifteen percent last time. I'm gonna go to a downgrade of twelve point five. Okay. Oh. <laughs> So, 12.5 piles of dog shit in here. Yeah, whatever. Blah. Um, all right. You threw one out last time. Paul's uh, war buddy, um, Black Mountain. Uh, is he the shooter? I'm still on the possibility of him being the shooter and the arsonist because he would just be, he would know these things, you know. You know, he would have that capability. Uh, they're no longer with Black Mountain, obviously, but once a soldier, always a soldier kind of deal, you know. You think he'd be motivated by doing this so he'd give him a chance to get back with Paul? 
uh, make it maybe you get told that this would make Paul his bones and become a good cop and or to make a promotion and I'm doing this to give him the chance. Here's my thing I think it could lead to is maybe at some point he approaches Paul. Like maybe Paul realizes that he has something to do with it. And he tells Paul, he's like, here's our chance, you know. We could go back to our old way, you know what I mean? Like, we could be soldiers again or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, you could join us and and do this too, you know. I don't know. I just feel like he's a weird character to have around uh, that also has the military background as Paul. So I can I could see a good confrontation at some point between them two. Yeah. But I'll be honest... He does seem really Gentile. You know what I mean? Yeah, he just doesn't have the persona of a a guy to be able to do what's going on. I don't know. Maybe that's on purpose. So we have that, <gasps> you know. Possibly. Possibly. But anyway. I'm still sticking with him as my biggest wild card. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's the end of the characters. I want to hear it. Let's, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jake is going to divulge his amazing theory. At this All point. right, here we go. All right, so I listened to the Joe Rogan Experience, another okay. podcast. Okay, I listen to him props religiously. Um, but he had a guy on the other day, John Ronson, I believe is his name. He's okay. a writer. Okay, but he's a, he's also like a documentarian and stuff like that. He snuck his way into the Bohemian Grove years ago. Okay. People that don't know what the Bohemian Grove is, it is basically in the Redwood Forest. It's a gathering of the most rich and powerful people in the world, mainly in the United States. Okay. Now, time before you continue. If everybody doesn't remember and you go back and watch the episode, the closing scenes of the intro is a roadway going into these giant trees and so on. Correct. And this is a very, very similar picture or shot of today's Bohemian Grove entrance into the Sequoia, you know, the Redwood Forest, that kind of stuff. Right. And so just going to – there is some background going to where you're going with this. Right. And I think they're showing some stuff. Also on the intro, Elliot is in the intro. Okay. Now, normally, I just don't think they'd put a major character, you know, not in the intro. You know what I'm saying? Not mm-hmm. I, I worded that weird. I don't think if Elliot was a, was a small, low-level character that he would be in the intro. But he's in it, okay? All right. And he also runs this Pla 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 Institute, okay? I really cannot pronounce it to save my life. But anyway. This institute is up north, okay, where they keep talking about all these fancy parties with all the high-dollar prostitutes and the really rich people and stuff like that, okay? The girl has gone missing. Annie's the last surviving member of this five-group or five-girl group that she went in with and all this wild stuff, okay? Then we saw the picture. He's tied to Pitler, to what's the mayor's name? Daddy Chisani. Chisani, the father of Chisani, Okay. Now, what the Bohemian Grove stuff is, is basically old money, all right? It's like the oldest, it's like the bushes and, you know, those... Um, like what Frank talked about, old, money is so old, you don't even know where it came from. Exactly, okay? And the reason why I'm beginning to believe this and that that's the group that's pulling the strings against Frank 
is because Frank is trying to get in that group. Just like he said about Blake today. It's this generation. They want to go from the bottom to the top, you know, just like that. In a way, it's kind of like, do we want that kind of people or that kind of person in our group? Right. Okay, so you got someone like Catalyst, massive chemical company, and they're doing, you know, killing the land off and stuff, right? So now you're talking about some major money right there. Then you talk about the Tassanis, who's obviously been mayors for years. Yeah, it's years and years and years and generation generation of corrupt money. Pitler, he lives in a monster mansion with his own, you know. Oh yeah, his own plastic facility, surgery wing yeah. and stuff like that. Okay. So what I'm assuming is that Elliot is going to end up being maybe not necessarily the the one who pulls the strings, but the one who's like the ringleader. You know what I'm saying? That brings them all together to where all the the meeting of the money. You know what I'm saying? So where Chasani and Pitler and all the old money and the Catalyst and all these companies come together, and they're the ones that made the decision. Okay. We're going to kill off this land. We're going to run the railroad through and stuff like that. And Frank was trying to buy his way into that. And then you got Casper who has all these weird sexual problems that Pitler knows about. And he took the money. Right. And so. So you got the mayor who is obviously a drunk screw up. It looks like, you know, his son is a drunk screw up who is just messed up. So it's like, do they want, the mayor or his son to move up in their ranks either. So this is where I talk about the Patsy part. I think Elliot and his group, his cult of people is pulling the strings to basically ruin all of them. Okay. Okay. Like they're, they're going snowballing it downhill basically where, yeah. Okay. The mayor thinks he's pulling the strings to remove Frank and, and these police that are investigating the state, investigation and stuff like that but really they're all going to be falling down to me i think all the old money is basically going to be at the top and they're just removing people in their way because people with power all they ever want is more power right do you think frank's connection with the russians has anything to do with this i do i think ossip is connected because ossip says he doesn't make the decisions ossip works for someone He's just the middleman. Yeah. He's okay. the mouthpiece. So it would not surprise me if Ossip or one of his guys, the guy that's always with him, is the shooter. Okay. Because okay. Russians are usually the muscle. You know what I mean? And burning the eyes out of somebody or something like that is not a bridge too far for the Russian mob. You know what I mean? So... Where I think they're going is a Bohemian Grove type, not necessarily a cult, because the Bohemian Grove people are just rich people that get together and have like a ritual. And what they do is they burn a big effigy of an owl, okay, which is supposed to remove all of their negativity and barriers from them, okay? That's all it is. It's almost completely harmless, but there's lots of conspiracy theories about what goes on because it's all these rich and powerful people, even presidents. Okay. So, oh, are you oh, I'm sorry, snoring I'm sorry. right I was, now? I was asleep. That, that, that enormous theory you just. 
<laughs> I know, I know. It's a lot. It's a lot. But we got a lot of unraveling to do in four episodes with all that. Oh, I don't think it'll be difficult. I don't think it'll be difficult okay. at all. All right. Uh, I'm going to be the protagonist here and just say it's much more cut and dry. I think the season is more about the characters, as Pizzolatto said before. I think it's corruption with old money and, like you said, power, but just not to that level. Uh, I think it might say it's going to expose that there there's more powers that be than you will never be able to understand and control. But I don't think it's going to go into the in complete depth of them being able to say or point fingers or who really pulls the strings, but more or less. I think there will be patsies. I think it's just more like they're going to figure out what's going on. And one of the, one of two things is going to happen. People are going to die and it's going to reveal who did it or who they want you to think who did it. But as I go back before, I think the mayor is big part of this. I think the lieutenant is the shooter, uh, you know, the raven head. Um, I think he's just there to clean up the mess. Um, I think the... The fantastic thing of what they did with his eyes and blowing his junk on is it was misdirection, deflection. Um, I think it's all a power play to keep Frank and his crew and what he brings to the table out of the mix. Don't want Russians involved. Don't want that financial backing in the deal. I don't want Casper's problems in this. He knows too much. He's seen too much. Uh, he's a liability. And by killing him, it gets rid of Frank, the Russian deal, the whole nine yards. The mayor retains his power. Um, and it's the reason mayor knows these things is because his political strings between his father, old money, the friends he has, that's why you know, that's why we've met Pitler. That's why we've met Elliot. That's why we know, you know, these things, they're just giving you where their fingers are dipped into the women, the surgeries, these high class parties, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the nuts and the nuts and bolts of the whole situation is, Lieutenant's the shooter. The, the police station is corrupt. Uh, Ray has a lot of baggage on him, so he's not integral in a lot of that because he, he's not trusted, especially since they know he's dirtied up with Frank, and Frank is a problem. That's the reason we have Frank in this series, is so you can see how it affects the, the police as well as it, Frank, as it uh, affects the other negative players or the other henchmen. So I think it's much more simplistic. I think we're going to have a wild card. Somebody else is involved. We're not expecting or how they're involved is going to be a shock. And that's where we get that. (gasps) Wow. What a, what a way to write that in. I think the basic premise is straightforward. The shock and awe is going to be a surprise person involved. Let me tell you, I think the last episode's going to go. Hit me. You remember when Colin Farrell was talking to the EPA guy before they were talking about that? And they said, maybe this is where all the bodies are buried. They poison the land. They know they're going to build on it, buildings and stuff like that, right? No joke. I feel like Ossip, the Russians, whatever, like that, are probably going to end up being the henchmen that are taking care of business, okay? Okay. For the big money. I would not be surprised if literally you see some of the guys get arrested, maybe like the chief or something like that, like he gets taken down with the state investigation. But mayor, maybe a couple of the cops, Frank, I would not be surprised if there's some holes dug out there 
they get blasted, poured in there. You know what I mean? And then the final episode is them literally pouring a slab over the top of them. Oof. Do you see Ray making it alive to the end of the season? Because the whole premonition with his dad and getting shot to pieces and all that kind of stuff. I don't, actually. I don't see remaking it. I, You know, honestly, the only one I think that... Well, I can't see why Annie would die. I think Paul and Annie live, but I think careers are ruined. Paul goes... Paul could even commit suicide. I could see that. I could see his frustration and repression just go to the point of it's not worth it anymore. Um... I think Annie takes a huge hit, you know, uh, busted down to, you know, a lowly you know, patrol cop or something, doing the right thing. I think, and I think Ray dies and, you know, like they talk about. I think I think it'd be a disappointment if you don't see him die the way they talk about, like him running through the trees and getting shot to pieces. That's what they do to you in this job. I'm telling you, I have a feeling that the bad guys win at the end of the season. Yeah, or... Do you think – here's another thing I thought. And I thought it was going to be cool. I don't want to believe this, and I don't want to say it's my theory, but Ray, they turned the tables on Ray to make him look like the bad guy and that the whole thing of him getting shot was a setup, and he's running to try to get away, and then he maybe goes the, down. Maybe the police And the police pieces. take him down in the blaze. Yeah. But my thing is, is, dude, I'm telling you, I think just like Ray told Annie in this episode – you said, you think these people ain't never come across this before? State investigations or anything like that? These guys have, they're too powerful. Right. I think, literally, the powers that be will remain the powers that be because they, they're untouchable. Exactly. I think Annie will end up off the force and just going a different way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what's going to happen to Paul and Ray. I think Ray will die trying to run. Like you say, it would be a really cool way to do it. Paul could turn state's evidence. He could like rat out Black Mountain and clear his conscience. May good idea. Okay, but I think for sure that you're gonna see Frank buried under a slab. Woof. With but you know that'd be awesome. I'm not, not to say I'm Colin Farrell. I hope you die or not, but I think that would be a poetic ending to his character the way they carried it up. Yeah, I, I swear. I think Asap. I'm leaning more towards Asap becoming more and more of a player. Or just being the ones that the muscle for the big money. Okay. I'll give you that. Um, I say we call that a regular show and Absolutely. we'll do a quick preview breakdown after a three second delay. If you want to listen to what they gave to as a preview for next episode, stick around for a minute, but we're going to, we're going to cut this down and be done in about five minutes. So, uh, if this is it for you, great, guys, man. Just uh, keep listening, subscribe to us, leave us a positive feedback on iTunes. That helps us so much, and we really want to keep expanding the show and add more shows uh, to be able to do more. Um, you know, we're at Bleed TV Podcast on Twitter as well as Bleed TV Podcast um, at gmail.com. Um, but, yeah, those reviews and the subscribe, that's the biggest help, and we really, really appreciate it, and we want your feedback on these things. But, um other than that, we're going to do a three-second delay and go right into our preview. All right. The preview was short and sweet this week. Uh, I think we had such an explosive ending to this last episode. I really just kind of want to put the your mind wandering um, for what's going to happen next. Um, it starts out with Ray talking about, you know, this job is exhaustible and so many people got exhausted. What a line, you know. Yeah. Um, 
and then it goes right into where you see Frank and um, he talks about how he's, he's sitting at his desk and he's like, you know, I'm going to start listening to that itchy feeling on the back of my neck and uh, basically telling you that it he's shows the scene Blake, it looks Blake like. being dirty, you know, underhand stuff behind him. He shows him walking out of a car at night, shaking hands with another character. And I think this is where you're going back where Blake is shaking hands with Ossip. I think uh, Ossip's still here. Blake's maybe, you know, still dealing with them. But I think he's also going to be dealing with the mayor. I think, you know, like you were talking about, I think you were on the money, and I think what a lot of people were talking about is this outside interest into the poker room and like that. Uh, Blake's been at the casino. He could take it over. You know, Frank's unraveling. He would be the next logical person, you know. So I think we're going to go down that avenue. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Um then you see Paul in the trailer with his mommy, and he says, I'm expanding my family. And she has this look of bewilderment and, and disappointment and Didn't anger. She scream, I know who you are, or something like that. Or, I yes. know what you are. Yeah, I know what you are. You know, like, how can you be having kids when I know what you are? You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe like she's aware of. You know, and so it's going to be a. And you, his character just furious hitting the walls and angry and so on. So, um, it's going to dive more into his personal background, his struggle and complex. Um, then it shows Ray with his freshly shaved face, no, no stash. stash. Which I'll miss. The Tom Selleck is gone. I miss it already. Oh. I miss it already. Wow. Did it not make him look like a completely different person? Uh, he looks so much better without a mustache. Oh. But it- but I yeah. missed the mustache already. Yeah, the tickler is gone. Yeah. You know, um, but you see a scene where he's like in shock and disarray at a table and his wife is at the other end of the table. So we're predicting here that she's basically getting him off the picture when it comes to this kid. And that she's going to maybe either make some accusations or she's going to, I think she's going to say things that alludes to him being a really bad cop that could get him in trouble. And he's in shock and awe on this. I don't think she's going to go after him in the pants about the paternity test or thing. I think she's going to have some kind of information that maybe she shouldn't have and that these cops are getting pressure from every angle and somebody's pulling the strings from every, every point of view. I, that's just kind of what I think. I wouldn't be surprised if she's showing him the paternity test. And Ooh, that'd be a that'd be a blow. Okay, so maybe it comes back it's not him. But does it come back as the other guy either? Well you wouldn't have his evidence. I understand that, but is there some way he's gonna figure out that maybe he beat up or killed the wrong guy or I think he does find that out if that's the case. Here's another you know, there was a popular theory going around that all this is the guy he beat up and killed, is that, um, which we think he did, is that the person who's connected to that person is the one doing all this to make everything go bad for everybody. And that all this other stuff is null and void. It's just, just revenge on Ray and Frank, and it spills into it's killing you know the corruption everywhere else. Yeah. Don't feel it, but you know it's a theory. I feel like at some point Ray's going to realize that Frank gave him the wrong guy. Possibly. That could be the end of Frank. You know. But I'm also pretty solid on my prediction that Frank, Blake, all those people in that area are going to end up in holes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, 
then you see a picture where Annie's like lynched over a, the bar table at Ray and goes, do you really think this case is cleared? Casper's case is cleared, you know? And so it gives you that input that, okay, so that shootout, the pimp, evidently they're saying case closed. Yeah. And that that's why I feel like that anything moving forward on Casper is going to be on their own, on their own dime, their own time. That's why Ray shaves his mustache. He's got to go in front of the judge and the lawyers and stuff to talk about the stuff with his wife. Okay. He cleans himself up yeah. to go talk to the lawyers and stuff. That's why he did it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then it talks about, you know, what is this going on? What is happening? And then it starts showing flashes of everybody and these struggles and different things. And it's really, really fast. And, you know, there's physical violence with the Ray and there's Annie, like having a surprise moment and Paul, you know, being stunned. And, um, and then you see a part where Frank's talking to his wife and goes, you know, I'm going to find us a way out. Like what's changed for him to say that? I don't know. It makes me feel like that they're turning the tables on Frank to make him the patsy based on that. Or, you know, um, he's got in so deep now that it's connected to something where it's too much for him to handle and he's got a, you know, got a way to get out. Or he might have just pissed off enough people at this point where they're like, screw it, let's they're just all take Frank for him out. Now. We're tired of giving him money. He's been out, you know. So it could be easily those people coming for him, you know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's going to be episode five. There's only eight episodes. I know it. So they got to really start putting the pedal down. Yeah. And that was in the preview. Like, that was was one of the shortest previews we had. Um, The episode was only 56 minutes, and the preview was only two. So That's good. I want want to see less and be more amped up. Yeah, there ain't no doubt. Um, Let's call it. Yeah. Man, guys, we appreciate y'all listening in. Um, We love the show. Um, Another thing, side note, if you stick around, uh, we'll also be producing a preview cast for Fear of the Walking Dead. It should be out around the same time this one is. Uh, If you're looking forward to watching that show as much as we are, give it a listen as well. And uh, like I said, give us a rating on it and everything. And any feedback on that, hit us up. But other than that, guys, we've had a great night. And uh, we're going to call it. So this is uh, Bleed TV. And I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. And we'll catch you guys next time. Change will come to those who have no fear But I am not her, you never were The kind who can